has still not been cleared by the Chicago Bears to play this Sunday. Is it time to start panicking or worrying about that? Me and Steve are going to break that down. Plus, talk about a new coordinator that came available that maybe the Chicago Bears should take an answer, uh, well, look into, and the biggest questions we still want answers to by the end of the season. We're going to get to all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bears Central, your number one place for all Chicago Bears news and content. What's going on, Bears fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bears Century, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bears related. I'm the host here, Hayes, joined by Steve-O. Usually it's me solo on the daily episodes. I always love when one of my brothers is able to come through, and especially Steve-O with how he's feeling about this organization as of late. Just know the takes are probably coming. With that, Steve-O, the Buffalo Bills have now fired their <laughs> offensive coordinator, Um and this was news that just literally broke. While it wasn't the original topic we we're going to start off with, I know you got takes, so we're just going to go ahead and get into it. How you feeling, Steve? I'm just, I just, it's just another example. Like, because for you, you personally, you always, you have this take that, it, it, you know, when it comes to a team being really successful, you don't necessarily put all the blame on the organization, which is like, the the front office executive presidents you don't really get them. They share a big portion of it, but they I try share. To but yeah, but to me, I've always been at the concept. It started at the top, and it mm. it goes all the way down to the bottom. Mm. To me, when I look at this, it's like okay, I'm not accepting mediocre. The Buffalo Bills has been constantly been getting closer and closer to that Super Bowl each and every year. They've been winning. They've been in the playoffs, and they're constantly seeing the trend that they're not liking. This has probably been uh, Josh Allen's worst career uh, start off of his career and since probably the first few years since he's been drafted. Facts. So they're looking at a constant turn of he's constantly turning the ball over. The offense isn't as potent as it was last year. You have a star receiver. You, you It's a little slight in your windows of them not being on the same page and everything. You know, personal things here and there. You got his brother out here tweeting, talking about he need to get out of there and stuff. To me – that I look at that organization, they all came together, sat down, and said, Look, I'm looking at this game plan. This ain't the same offense I was seeing last year or the year prior. Either one of the person, one of the other is the problem. And if you sit down, watch them all 22 of them bills, you be sitting here like, Okay, yeah, they got this man gunslinging. Yeah. Why they not running the ball? I believe what. Uh, what's the uh, brother name? The running back. They benched him for like six games because of one fumble. Yeah, and then he comes back, has one almost game seals the game for you with five straight runs, which leads to a touchdown with uh, Josh Allen, but you still lose the game. So what you took there, you woke up this morning, you fire your OC, and that's what an organization does when they realize I'm not finna just sit here and accept mediocre. It's not working. So why is it with us constantly? With every time we have head from head coaches DC to OC. It's yeah. always okay. We are gonna give it a try. We are gonna let them figure it out. We, bro, they're five and five. Yeah. What's our record? We, I'd love to be five and five right now. What's our record? What are we? Three and seven. Three and seven. So that means they won six games total, right? Yeah, in the last two years. So yeah, last year, season and a half, we won six games. So it took them five. So we couldn't realize three and three now that we we gotta get rid of our OC. I I get what you, and this is actually a different perspective that I thought you would take on it. And I, I get what you're coming. You're so basically like, to just bring it all together. You're saying that the Bears accepting mediocrity, whereas the other teams they see the mediocrity and they say, 
No, we want better than that. And I and I get what you're saying. I would say this, as you said and started this off, the Bills have been moving closer and closer. Like, they came into the season expected to be a Super Bowl contender, right? Uh-huh. The Bears haven't even gotten to the point of the expectation even being playoffs yet. But you, you raise an interesting question. How do we get there if we keep accepting mediocrity I mean, from, the, from the people that are supposed to be leading this team? Great. That's I, great. It's a great point. And I think the question is not as – I mean, you might look at it and be like, it's not as simple as it is. It's not simple. But at the same time, you look at all the teams that became good or became great, that while they was bad or co- being competitive, the traits of greatness were still within them. I've been saying I don't like the traits of this team. You keep talking. How the heck did the team with less talent all around, especially on defense, adopted the hips principle, but now that you got a team full of should be a, a couple all pros and they're not adopted to the hip principle or some games they choose and win to or not to. Yeah, we're dealing with injuries. You got to add that on. But at the same time, it's not a constant trend. The identity – we just now starting to figure out identity with uh, Jaquan Prisker when we should have probably fin that figured that out last year. And we're not getting everything. We understand we need a three-tech. We ain't found it. We're, we're slightly getting the edges together. I understand that. But at the same time, you're not practicing what you're preaching. You're not practicing good traits. I'm not seeing a disciplined team when it comes on both sides of the ball. I seen a dog going offside on offense last week. An ugly one at that. It wasn't just a little one where, like, it was ugly. Like, let's be clear like, here. Like, I don't, and it's, and there is no team that's successful right now that's going to have Cody Whitehair or Lucas Patch on their own line starting. There's so not let me, happening. Let me, let me throw this to you then. And this is, this is a completely different direct. We may not, I'm going to let y'all know now. The, the, the topics that I introduced at the top of the show, we may not even get to this because this is a really interesting conversation to have. Let me ask you this. So, as far as the Bears getting themselves out of mediocrity, Right. And we hear more and more. I like I, I can't remember who reported it. I think it was was it Albert Chef? Somebody just reported yesterday. Albert? That, uh, damn, what is his name? <laughs> it's not Albert. Oh, yeah, it's Al. Why, <laughs> why just add that whole thing to that man's name? Uh reported that uh and it was actually it was John's. It wasn't even Schefter, but reported wow. that the Bears are are more likely every day that goes by to bring Matt Eberflus back next season. So let me ask you this. Let's say that the, the, the Bears right now, we're, we're, we're three games. We won three games out of ten games. Uh, I think the, the, the barrier that they limp into there is that if Iberflus can get to six wins on this season, that he should stay on as the head coach. When you look at getting us out of mediocrity, how does that make you feel that apparently, we don't know this exactly, but the bar has been set now to say that six wins, keep in mind, six wins, that would be nine total wins out of 24 games is the barrier for a head coach to stay on here with the Chicago Bears. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Mm-hmm. If we win 6 win, I'm not looking at the coaches. That's 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 I got to get a credit. That's team. Okay. That's they team. came together and did that. Okay. So because that means this, the coach still needs to go. I I just don't see nothing they can do cuz at, at this point it's not even about Exodus and O's when it comes to Matt Eberflus. You're not a leader of men. You're just not. Yeah. You don't come out with confidence. You you, you that last press conference you did two days ago, or whatever it was, when they asked you that one, you you look so, bro. I've never seen. I don't want my coach looking befuddled. Listen, and it so happens so often with Matt, and even in, I don't know if you saw it or not. So after the last win, when he was in the post game, uh, well not post game press conference, but he was in the locker room talking to the guys. He was like, "Yeah, we we did this, and yeah, yeah, we yeah, we did that," and it was just like like watching him. It's like you're not even 
fired up about a win. And not to say that you need to be jumping out the 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 the, the locker room yeah. or anything like that, but it's like even the way that he delivered the news that he was proud of his team, that they rallied together for a win. I looked at that and said, to me, if I'm a player, and keep in mind, I played football, right? Mm-hmm. If 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 that my coach was that, it was like, yeah, you know, uh, we we did this, and and I, I'd be like, hey man, like we just won, bro. Like, what are we doing here? And and, and I, and I get it. There's not a lot. I don't want my coach to be like acting like we won the Super Bowl for a third win in the damn yeah. season. But at the same time, it's like I look at this franchise and where we are, and we have talent on this roster. And to me. And that's why I've been saying consistently for weeks now, I don't care what Matt Eberflus does. I don't care what Luke Getze does. There's nothing to me that would indicate that they need to stay. I don't care if they went out the rest of the all They can go on a seven-game winning streak to end this season. To me, I don't care because what we've seen from them is, A, you cannot utilize your talent correctly, right? Nope. How, like, we got D, DJ Moore is a stud. He's been used properly in probably three games this season. I'll adjust it, but I ain't gonna. I ain't. I ain't gonna. <laughs> that Listen, they are gonna trigger the Beijing baddies. We don't want to do that on this. One. I, I'm, I'm, it just, bro. It, <laughs> to me, bro, I just don't understand what it is like. Yeah, I'm. I'm with agreeing with you. Like, there's nothing he can do. Like, there's just literally nothing he can do. We gave you two years, and you just showed me that you're not a leader. You're not setting the tone. Um, you messed up with your staff. You built the staff straight up. You picked everybody, and we fired two of them. We don't even know why we fired two of them, but two of them gone, and the rest been trash. Like you got to set a foundation for this team. Where like I can literally impersonate this man win speech after every game, and he's not gonna get fired. Up. We did some good things, right? You know, we fought hard, right? You know, we had some bad things. We didn't run the ball effectively as we could, right? But we got it back in the second half. But this was the thing. I'm very intuitive. I I, I, I really listen to people looking at body language and everything. Mm-hmm. One of the main things he keeps saying after every win, and you look at somebody else like the new coach for the Raiders, you look at them at the win, and you listen to his speech. It's two different ways they talk. Matt Eberflew says, you know what? We got to stay together. We got to stay. You got to show them. We got to put the outside world together. We got to stay together. When... It was the Raiders coach. He came out and said, yeah, we did that shit. We stayed together. It, it, you hit a different wording. One said, we we got to stay together. The one said, we are together. This, this He been lost this team. It's, it's gone. They Once you lost your, once you call out, once your leader of this team and everybody, like it or not, I don't care what you say, just is one of the main leaders of this team. And everybody listen, and everybody has a great relationship with Justin. They're listening to him. If he calls you out, you think he the only one that felt that way? Yeah. That's I guarantee you 90, uh, close to 80% of the team feels that way just because Justin said that. Their team is a reflection of their leaders. Do you think, so looking at this, and I know came into this with saying the biggest questions that still need to be answered. And one of the questions was that I had on that list was, how does Justin come back and command this offense? Because I think Justin taking some time out to really sit and look at this team from the sidelines, see what works, see what doesn't work, see what Bajan does that maybe he doesn't do to adapt to his own game. And one thing with Justin Fields, people don't really give it credit. Justin Fields is a student of the game. And that's why I do still believe mm. in Justin Fields is because I, I tend to bet on people who really enjoy – like Justin Fields watches football every single day. I, and, and while he hasn't really always – he still has things that he absolutely needs to shore up. Do you think that this time on the sideline is something that Justin Fields now will use when he comes back over these last seven games, if he is clear, things like that, and that we'll see kind of a more poised Justin Fields because he's been able to now see what these players are and aren't doing and kind of be separated from it to a degree? 
I was just about to go straight into it because I was just about to say Justin's that type of player where once he missed time and has a realization like two things can happen that goes in his mind during this time off. Mm-hmm. A, my job could get taken just like that. And two, damn, I really miss playing football. Yeah. And three, I'm because I'm a student of this game, I'm looking at like, dang, okay, he picked up. Dang, maybe my release could be a little bit faster right here. Maybe my footwork is not leaning towards the passes I'm trying to do because I, I'm I'm lazy with it. Maybe the, you you he starts to pay attention more because hey, this man what this been he missed what five games? Yeah. That's so what over a month of of film. Yeah, that's over a month of film and. Like, even with my background being like a basketball manager, just I've noticed players like that, especially players that depend on their athleticism a lot. They, when once they start seeing somebody else that's more like, okay, you see a point guard and he's more of a pass first point guard, or he like, oh, he hit that pocket like that. Oh, now he start practicing that way. It's the same way with quarterbacks. He sees the same thing like, oh, he passing it to the flats a little bit quicker because he know that flat going to be open. I got to have my eyes here. Oh, he just saying screw what the call saying. He said, I'm looking at DJ at all the time. I'm too busy trying to listen. at. <laughs> That's the biggest part of Justin Fields' development that I want to see, and it may not come this season, but I do want to see Justin Fields get to the line of scrimmage and realize, hey, no, this play calls some bullshit. We not doing this. Right, and that's something I can really give credit to Tyson Banger. Yes, he, he literally said on the first play, "We ain't going to DJ." Fuck that, hike DJ. Huh? Yeah. And you yeah. seen you you've seen Justin do that here and there. Like that yeah. Washington game, he he was like everything on the fucking DJ. Yeah. He said that he he we seen it, and we seen when he had his mind on. He gets in this mindset because I'm telling you, he's such a team player. He wants to be that leader that he don't want to just completely go out there and say, fuck Lou Getzy, fuck Matt Eberfus, and just yeah. say, bullshit, get away with your calls. And I think people understand that, that and I need people to understand that had Justin came into the season, in the first three games of the season, and started saying, yeah, fuck, fuck, fuck Lou Getzy. That would have set a culture with this team that I don't know we would have been able to rebuild from, right? Not not right away, because they're not moving off of Lugetti. But at this point now, seven games left in the season. You've been sitting on the sideline. This is the time now for Justin Fields to assert himself as the leader and come in and say, hey, that play call, that's some bullshit. We're not about to do that. And let the chips fall where they may, because as of right now, Justin Fields, I need him to understand your voice right now is more impactful and more important than what anything Luke Getty has to say, and we need to see that. Like I, that's why I say, like I know people are like, "Well, you guys are Justin Fields fanboys, things like that." No, I just know the potential of Justin Fields, but I, I understand that he also needs. To, this is the time when Justin Fields comes back. This is the time to assert himself as a leader and remind the front office, remind who the coaching staff, remind everybody else, this is my team. And if he can't do that, the questions that we had into the offseason, that's in large part. On the front office, but it's on him as well. We need to see that version of Justin Fields come out over these last seven games. Yeah, and if so, they out there say you want to, they want to put you in shotgun. You better say hell no. Yeah, yeah. Now, center. <laughs> to, to, to move to the next question that I had, that was a big uh, part of these questions that I have for the Chicago Bears. Do you think that not, not again? It's not going to be perfect. We still need some more talent. We need some evolution. But do you think going forward, this Bears team having the identity of Montez Sweat? And Jaquan Brisker kind of leading this team with the mindset and mentality. Do you think that that is enough 
to, to bring out the monsters of the midway mentality that we want with the Chicago Bears team. Do you think that those are the right two people to have enough of an impact on the defensive end to, to bring about that, that kind of standard that we want to set on the Chicago Bears defense? I mean, when it comes to a defensive unit, yeah, they could be a two like cornerstones to start off identity of a defense, but they ain't gonna lead it. They ain't gonna be able to lead you for a full season. You need a core. And yeah. along with that core, you need a dog ass coach. I'm just be honest with you. Like, no matter what you say, no matter how many dogs you got up there, if you out there putting them in not in the best position, having them miss assignments, having them reading the wrong gaps, having them in the damn four two or four three spread out knowing damn well this team finna hit you up the middle all game. Yeah. There's no point. So I to me, it's good that you get you starting to realize who your identity is. Um, you, you need to start looking back in this linebacker corner. Maybe you need to keep Jack Sambo and keep dude on the other side. But um, that's another conversation for another day. But to me, yeah, you really yeah. when it comes to a defense, you need a core. There is no two teams. There is no not two teams. There's no team where you, there's a couple dudes on that team that you know when it comes down to it, they're gonna make a play. Now we know for sure that's Brisker. We know for sure that's Montez. Is and on and we can kind of say that for TJ. For everybody yeah, else, yeah, yeah. TJ Edwards is yeah. Well. For yeah, I, I yeah. like and and I like that all three of those players you named are all at different levels of the defense, mm -hmm. right? So we have potentially our leaders set up, set up in each one of those levels, and I think like we've already seen the impact of Montez Sweat in two games and what he can help the Chicago Bears team does. This, this defensive line has looked much better in two games with Montez Sweat than what they've looked now. Again, we're healthy, things like that, but I think Montez Sweat is going to be so important to be that anchor of what you can build with the rest of your defensive line. I think Jaquan's that in the secondary, and I like overall the young thing that we have in the secondary. I was about to say, we got our secondary healthy back now. The secondary, yeah, and the secondary being healthy is one of the biggest things, like, to answer a lot of questions. Do you think, I know the J.J. thing has been up and down. Do you think that there, is there enough to salvage there to where Jalen stays here with the Chicago Bears? Do you think they have enough? Do you think, would you franchise tag him? Do you think those things could happen? Do you think you may just need to let him go? If he don't, if he, if, it's the, it's almost, it's similar to Roquan, but it ain't. Because at the same time, he got an agent. But if it all depends on his attitude. It's really his attitude. Yeah. If he out here thinking that he's a top five corner, like, okay, you go test the market. I'm not finna sign you 20 years and you're not producing 20 years worth of uh, production. And I mean, 20 years, 20 million worth of dollars. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing it. You're getting between this 14 to 15, 15 max. I'm not giving you 20. And you're, you're not, you're not Alexander, bro. You just not. Like, there's plenty of times when I've seen you go up against X receivers, legit X receivers, and you get smoked. I don't need, I don't need you to get smoked. So I need games where you can shut a, a good ass receiver down. Yeah. And you shut down some I, but I need so you get I numbers, you get I money. So like yeah, I said, I if it. you want, I, I, I would franchise tag them, but to me, I'm always following the morals of the principle. If you don't want to be here, you can go. And, and, and that's a prideful thing with me when it comes yeah. to Chicago Bears, and I try to leave that out of this and, and bring fair analysis. But for me, I'm always, you, you know, lifelong Chicago Bears fan, never rooted for another team. If somebody doesn't want to be here, I'm always going to err on the side of, all right, let them go. Like, that's just me. Like, it is what it is. Now, I do think that Jalen, I think that he, he may feel a little bit slight of how things went, whether he admits it or not. But I also can't knock a player for wanting out and going to get what they're worth. And 
I, don't get me wrong. Is Jalen the best corner in the league? No. no, but he's a damn good corner in this league, and he's still 24. Let's let's be clear. The final version of Jalen Johnson we haven't even seen yet, uh-huh. and we haven't seen a Jalen Johnson on the defense that has been overall solid. It's been on the slide basically since he got here with different aspects of that team. So I really like Jalen, but I'm trying to remove my my the like that I have for the player from the business aspect of it. And that's one of the hardest things for me to do as a content creator because I cover teams that I actually love and I have an emotional investment in. So it, it gets to the point where sometimes I do want to be like, all right, you don't want to be here, fuck you. But then at the same time, it's like, I have to understand it in a, in a, to a degree as well. Me so. too. I mean, I like to do it too. Like everybody, for people that don't know, I'm an Oregon fan, and he was a and he played at Utah. He used to give much hell. I, I didn't even know you were Oregon. Well, I'm fan. a huge Oregon fan. I've been Oregon fan for years, but um, he was giving us hell at Utah. So I knew everything about him when we drafted him. I was like, all right, he's gonna be one of those corners where they don't throw to him because he does have he's that type of covered guy, especially when you're playing man. But um, he ain't going to generate that many turnovers. And in this offense, that's what you want. I mean, in this defense, that's what you want. But um, I, I do everything I can to try to uh, keep him in. Maybe I won't. I will, I'll, I'm not because of his age. Right? I won't be mad if we slightly overplayed, play, overpaid okay. him, gave him like 17 max. I, seven, I think that's a fair like range. Max. I think what's the highest paid cornerbacks? Twenty six million a year. Right? Yeah, somewhere around that range. Like yeah. you, once we get past eighteen, I'm like, all right, dog, you you ain't that though. You you ain't that. But I do as much as you can to try to keep them here. But um, if but to me, it still stands. If you don't want to be, you playing quarterback. You playing cornerback, bro. You you got one time to miss an assignment. I'm gonna want your ass cut. That's fact. Yeah, and, and with, with the bigger money comes bigger expectations, mm-hmm. right? So you got you to live up to that. I mean, we're looking at Darius Slay is one of my favorite corners in the league. Mm-hmm. He's making $14 million a year. So if you're talking about paying J.J. more than that, J.J. got to bring it, bro. That's it. Now, another member of the secondary, and, and this will kind of end the questions unless you got something you want to bring up too, is like Eddie Jackson. Do you think oh, that God. we're – like ex- exactly. with the Eddie Jackson, do you think he – because he's a veteran, right? And we have a very young secondary. Do you draft a safety and then keep Eddie Jackson and then hope that safety is ready in a year or two to be a starter? Or do you let Eddie Jackson go, still draft a safety, maybe sign another veteran to back that that safety that you may draft up? Keep in mind, free agencies before the draft, so you have to make your signing before then. The J- the Eddie Jackson situation is one of the unique ones, that I think, with the Bears is because they have another year of him under, under salary cap, but that's more like the Roquan situation, I feel like, because while he's not as young as Roquan, you can move him now, and if he goes to the right team that already has a solid secondary, you can probably get a solid asset back. Not amazing, or do you hold on to him and then and then try to develop the next safety that way? When he's off, they're going to be ready to go. I think you wash your hands and train him because the injuries. And it, that, it, and that's- it's not even that. It's just because I don't think you're going to get this line right. He needs a line to be effective. He's not a tackler, and. Yeah. He's not this ball hawk. I don't care what nobody says. I've been telling y'all, he's not a ball hawk. Most of his picks yeah. come from dumbass throws that's caused by the defense. Defense that just is what it is. I'm not saying he's terrible, but he's just not this ball hawk y'all think he is. You can watch the tape in Alabama. You can watch the tape here. Most of his picks is because fucking uh, uh, Keem Hicks is about to bear claw some goddamn quarterback, and they just throw that shit up. So we ain't gonna get no uh nose tackle. Wash your hands with him. He can't stay. He hell. If he look hurt now, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, and commit like he's been hurt. Let's be clear, Eddie Jackson's been hurt all season, but I think that he's trying to come back to try to help this team win. And I honestly, in some aspects, I think he's hurting the team more when he when Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson is much like Zach Levine in the sense, in just this sense, that if he's not a hundred percent, you see it, and he kind of more hurts you than helps you when he's not a hundred percent. That's just the opinion that I have on Eddie Jackson. And unfortunately, for the last two seasons, we've had. We've had let, I don't want to, no players 100% after the season starts. If he's not at least 95%, he's hurting you out there. That's my, and that's kind of how I view it. Literally, even if he's healthy, if he's not causing picks, he ain't getting the last, he the last line of defense. Are you you are you betting your money that he's going to get that tackle? Hey, so are you betting money that he getting that tackle? No. Unfortunately, bro. And, and I mean, I have to be real on it. So that's one of the biggest That's questions right. as well. As and Eddie I like Jackson. Eddie. Eddie Ben, he yeah. I like uh, bro. I grew up, you was the dude. You hey, you was our safety. But hey, your time is gone. It is what it is. Yep. And it, and it gets much like to the point when when like you get to a point where you have players on your team that have been on your team for forever. And to and ha- if this team was in a stronger place, let's say that this was a playoff team that we were looking at saying, hey, they oh, close to making the conference finals. Yeah, you're keeping them. But with as far as ways that we look right now, unless there are drastic moves made in the offseason, I just I don't see you paying a player that, yeah, he's been there his whole career. He's been there since 2017. But like it, we're talking about the number of games played has dropped every year by four games or more for the last three seasons. That's a concern, bro. It's a huge concern. Like, And I think, like I said, what I just said is the biggest concern. Even when he's healthy, if he's not getting picks, what is he doing? Out of assignment, getting burnt. Not tackling in the last second and they get a touchdown. Damn. All right. Uh, last topic before we go. So Justin Fields still has not been cleared as of yet, right like now. Um so and you know, Matt Eberfuss came out before last game and said that it's basically the medical the medical staff has to clear Justin Fields. Matt Eberfuss saying this exactly. We just need more time. We need team work at practice. We need that, and we'll eventually get there. We're just not there right now. So um, you know, reports are that he looked good throwing the ball. So those are things. But I it's still got some breaking news from Daniel Greenberg. Uh, he says uh-oh. Chicago Bears safety Jaquan Biscuit said on six seventy to score their quarterback Justin Fields looks very good and believes he's ready to go Sunday versus Lions. Justin looks good. He said he's definitely looks good. Well, there you go. I love it when breaking news happens. So listen, Justin Fields coming back now that we kind of have that. Um. When you look at uh, Justin Fields' return, we kind of talked about it. Now, what he, I ain't going to say before wise. you go, that ain't confirming nothing. It's, it's not confirmed. But, yes, Jaquan Briscoe's thoughts, right? My we, point. We've heard this that before. This is my point going back to culture mm-hmm. going back to your head coach. Your coach saying one thing and your player saying another thing. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Um, do you think that we the offensive line has improved over the last few weeks? When you look at Justin Fields potentially returning, do you think that the offensive line is now in a better place, not in a perfect place, but in a better place to where we can put more of the focus on what Justin does and does not do? No, no, because as long as as long as Cody and Lucas out there, I'm always gonna worry. Like the first I am so ball, annoyed man. that we released the cramp. I am so annoyed that we did that. Keep in mind, it was surprising, too, because last year when Doug Kramer got hurt, we still kept him on the actual roster because they didn't want to risk somebody pulling him from the practice squad. And that's exactly what happened this year. A team signed him from the practice squad. It, it's I get it. Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick are veterans. but they garbage. They're, yeah, they're, they're trash. They're Not to say that Doug Kramer's been like, 
amazingly impressive in his snaps out there, but this was a young guy that you could have developed on your on your yeah, line. That and he was just sucks that he's not here. I now. guarantee you, ain't nobody for you not getting blown up like Lucas been getting blown up. You he pissed me off. You know what he said in that celebration? I'm like, yeah, bro, you was the weakest bitch out there Sunday or Thursday. <laughs> you was getting blown up every play, bro. When, yeah. when they on that team, bro, I need to see Tyree Carter every day. I don't want to see no rotations, bro. Nate Davis needs to hurry up and get back. I can't deal with no more Cody White here and Lucas Patrick. You know why? Because every single time there's a fucking penalty out there, I know it's either one of them two. Or Braxton. Or Braxton. Braxton, yeah, but, no, but Braxton did pretty decent last game. Yeah, I mean, he's coming around. Yeah. Like, and that's why I, like people are like, oh, Braxton's gone. Is this? I'm like, no, nah, he's going to be our backup. That's what the hell he's yeah, going to be. Yeah, he's going to be a depth piece. But like Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick, they're vets. They don't get that same leeway that a Braxton Jones does who's in his second year. So it, I can't. I, I can't, bro. I can't. The center position is one of the most important positions that I need to see the bear. I don't care if they address it in free agency. I don't care if they address it in the trade. I don't care if they address it in, in draft or a combination of two out of those three. But we need some serious work That's with that center position. Them. And Dan Feeney does not seem to be the answer either. I'd rather put him out there. Shit. I'm, 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 oh, yeah. I'd rather him be out I, there. I, I can't. I, every time I see Lucas in them, I, 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 will never, I will never be confident for Justin. I know he's going to do the best he can, but like I said, he always one snap away, one bad. That motherfucker, with Tyson Bazer, he played bowling the other day with him. He rolled the ball under the snap. I have never seen that in my life. <laughs> I feel they like need to go to snap school again. Like, I don't know what it is for real. Like, I'm done, bro. I can't go, bro. Put put Trevor in the damn game. Finney, put him in. Yeah, I'm sorry. Absolutely. I can't do it no more. I can't. I, I don't want to see. It, it's like the same thing with Valus. I don't want to see Valus no more. I don't want to see Cody Whitehead no more. I don't want to see Lucas Patrick no more. Right, listen, those are three bears that cannot absolutely return, in my opinion, as well. And we'll talk about that as we get closer to the season. Steve, before we get up out of here, man, any last thoughts before we go? I wish them three motherfuckers got stolen with them goddamn lawnmowers. That's what I'm, that's what I got to say. That's funny. All right, man. Y'all make sure y'all follow that man over at Steve O Speaks. You can follow us collectively at Shy Bear Central. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, Chicago Bear Central gmail.com. And then lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, 773-242-9336 with a number one spot for everything Chicago Bears related. Like we like to end everything on. Shy Town up. Bear down. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Break, 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 media.